All right, Alex, Financial Detox. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's good to be back. It's been a while. It is good. We've been out for a while here, and welcome to Financial Detox, the uh, podcast to help you avoid toxic advice and manage your wealth for maximum impact. I'm Jason Labram, your host. We've got Alex Klingen-Smith as, I would say, you're more the moderator and the, the real host. I don't know. I like We're trying to call it co-host. Co-host is co-host. a safe place for me to live in with this thing. You know, it depends <laughs> on what we say, right? <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, that's cool, Alex. We're here and we have not been doing very many financial detox shows. Why don't you tell everybody why? Well, you wouldn't know it though, because someone, I think it was you told me that someone checked out our show the other day and said, wow, you have over 200 recorded shows. And right? I guess I guess that's a lot because we've only been doing this for six or seven years. So we must have talked. We must go in spurts, right? Right. I think we do. True. Looks like we both timed it out today with our blue golf shirts too. We're, we're matching for this particular show, which we're, we're doing under a video cast or a podcast with video because we've been talking about the other podcasts we watch and we like the ones or listen to, excuse me, and slash watch because it's just more entertaining and it's nice to see the people that you're, you're listening to. I have a really hard time following podcasts when I can't see See the person there. I don't know. For me, that's the way it goes. Do you feel the same, Alex? Yeah, I, I totally. I mean, so I'll give you a different example. Though I was recently trying to build something, which doesn't happen very often, but I was trying to build this cover for our barbecue. We had these like these this outdoor fire pit thing, not barbecue fire pit. Yeah. And so when we're not using the fire pit, it, we wanted to put a cover over it. And I was like, well, I could go try and buy one that's custom fit. I'm like, you know what? I can build that. So I, I immediately go to YouTube, right? And yeah. I'll tell you what, if, if I was to listen to somebody um, talk about it, there's no way. It would have been a total botched thing. And, and yep. the chances were low anyways of success for me because I don't build that many things that often. But I watched two YouTube videos and I built this awesome thing. And I was pretty proud of it, actually. Someone yeah. came over the other day. They're like, wow, where'd you get that? It. I'm like, I built it. They're like, no, you didn't. Because it's a friend that knows me pretty well. And he is, he is like an engineer. He's like, you didn't build that. I'm like, yeah, man, I watched two YouTube videos. And was, I listened and watched. And, while, and I was listening while I was building it. And then I had to watch it. And... So anyways, the point is, is I'm a, I'm a visual learner as well. So sometimes, even though we, we don't show a lot of graphics, but now we maybe we can show more because it is a more visual now, this format. It should be, hopefully, the, the viewers and listeners will, will be receptive to that, right? I like it. Yeah, and we were in the middle of, while you were building things, we we're also moving our offices, right? From one office to another, about a mile away, twice the square footage, because we're continuing to grow and expand uh, IDA, our wealth management firm. and um, hopefully financial detox too, and what we're doing to educate consumers and help them make better investment decisions. And we talk about everything from the very simple stuff about what's an ETF versus what is a, um, what's a mutual fund? Why would you buy the different ones? What are the tax advantages all the way to one of the topics we were talking about discussing today is flats and the estate, um, estate tax and flats are spousal lifetime access trust in ways that you can kind of get money out of your estate today so that when the 2025 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, tax, um, Act expires and the current estate tax limit, which is uh, almost 13 million, 12.9 million or so, goes down to five, there are people who have 10, 12, 20 million in assets, total assets that are going to be really deeply impacted by the new estate tax law. So we talk about everything from 
super simple to super complex. And the point is to uh, help you make better investment decisions. And if we can, um, you you know, we we show you a, a path to to do that, and also can can help you execute if if you need our help. So that was pretty that was pretty good. But for those that haven't listened to one ever, maybe one of these shows, yeah. or maybe it's been a long time, like we talked about. If I was a brand new listener, how would you explain like what is what do these words financial detox mean? Why did you choose financial detox? Where did it start? And then maybe fast forward all the way to today. Why? What? You know how it's evolved since then? Maybe in a <laughs> two minutes or less. <laughs> Go. Yeah. Um, well, you. Um, yeah. We 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 have been in the financial business for a long time, and uh, six years at one major Wall Street firm, six years at another major Wall Street firm, and realized I didn't like the way they were doing things. I wanted to do it a different way, so I started um, what is as now IDA Intelligence Driven Advisors back in 2009. And out of that, um, I thought, man, I want to put all these ideas and concepts into a book. So I wrote a book called Financial Detox. And then you helped me say, or somebody helped me. We got started on a radio show. Um, I think I started as a guest on a radio show. And the person I was a guest said, you should just do your own show. So we started our own show and that turned into podcasts. And my gosh, you were on the radio show with me, Alex. And and that's what we did. But the whole thing, uh, the whole concept and is really consumer education. Like there's so many people out here that have money issues or have things going on in their lives financially and they don't know what to do. Financial detox is like the step beyond Dave Ramsey, right? We're not trying to be Dave Ramsey. How do you get out of debt? How do you save your first thousand dollars? That's great. And Dave Ramsey has absolutely dominated that. He's perfect at it. You should go to Dave Ramsey if you're just trying to figure out you know, how to get your finances in order. Financial detox is a little different in that it's more um, down the next stage, right? You have money, you have created wealth. Now, what do you do with it? Again, how do you avoid toxic financial advice because it's prolific and everywhere out there? And how do you manage your wealth so that you can do the most with it? So we're kind of like the you already have money, you had a job, you had success, you're an executive, you're a business owner, whatnot. And now what do you do with that money? So that's what, that's how it was born. And it's been fun, man. We've had these shows, you know, Alex, we'll get grinding and so busy in our day-to-day work schedule. But then when we pause and do a show, I've seen both of us come into the show kind of grumpy because we're working and grinding on a bunch of stuff. And we come out and we tend to be pretty much in a good mood because it's just a, it's a fun a fun thing to do for us. I think that comes from the fact that we have a deep passion for what we do. We love, I think we love helping people and, and delivering on the promise we make to our, our employees and to our clients is to steward true financial peace of mind. That's our company purpose, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the show's purpose as well. And that true financial peace of mind has a lot of different definitions or iterations or perspectives. But at the end of the day, no matter who you are, we really want to help people just provide a sense of calm and, and clarity and confidence around investing. Um, it doesn't have to be so so terribly you know stressful. Uh, it can feel that way, and that's okay to validate those emotions and feel them. But it's super important to know what you can control and what you can't. So that passion, I think, the reason why this is like a therapy session for us is because we're like, oh, I hope somebody hears this and feels better today about their investing experience. Even just one person, right? Yeah. Well, and and then we we were gonna keep this show short. Again, we're testing a new format. So we'd love your comments, feedback, help. Um, if you want to talk to us about what you're seeing or, or hearing, we're, we're always open to making the show better. Uh, we're testing a format today where we're on uh, video. So we're video and the podcast, both Alex and I sitting in our own offices. It's kind of nice. We don't have to go into a studio and do, do the stuff. So 
will be interested. We're going to keep it short today. I think that the things that we went to a couple topics, Alex, you know, before the show and the things we, we thought that are worth talking about, we'll probably get into too much detail and we'll brush over them so quickly. It's probably not even worth it at this point. I think, you know, we start talking about flats and the complexity of that. Um, flats are against also lifetime access trust. It's a really cool state planning strategy. If you're a higher net worth person, we're working on that with several different clients right now. Um, I don't, I don't think diving into that makes a lot of sense. And we talked about alternatives, which we've talked about a little bit on the show. And uh, what are alternatives? They're investments that are not publicly traded stocks or publicly traded bonds. There's a, a couple main classes of alternatives you may think of are private real estate, private debt, private equity, hedge funds type of stuff like that, You know, different investments that are generally in private markets, not public markets. But I think that um, maybe just to kind of tap on that and one other concept that I think is worth just doing a quick high level on so we keep this show short and sweet is, you know, we've been bringing on a lot of new clients, thankfully, like people trust us and, and give us um, the, their, their trust and confidence with their life savings. And that's just an honor and humbling and amazing. And we work really hard to do the best job we can and we keep trying to get better. But one of the things that I'm consistently seeing in these clients is the absolute chaos that exists within their portfolios and as before they come to us right so we evaluate the portfolio we do a uh, total dissection of it then we compare it to what we're doing and we talk to the clients about the changes from you're here um, today we want to get you over to here here's the changes and the, the progress that we need to make to get you where you want to go I'm just baffled, Alex, by the chaos that exists inside these portfolios. The, the fact that there is oftentimes no thesis, there's no philosophy. You can't look at these portfolios. And this is like across the board, you almost universally, nine out of 10 times, you look in the, the advisor who's helping them has you know, ETFs, some individual stocks, some mutual funds, oftentimes, most times, no alternative investments which provide really good diversification and can reduce risk and can increase returns. And then I asked the clients, I said, what's the philosophy? Like, how are you investing? And yeah. they don't know. And these are people with 5 million, a million, 10 million, and they don't even know what their strategy is. Yeah. I mean, and not to make them feel too bad, because I, I think if you ask, if were to ask me, what's my philosophy on, let's say, healthcare, for example, or on, you know, taxes, personal, you know, or on, uh, you know, talk about building things in your home. I think we're good at what we get, we're good at. And we'd spend time and love and spend time on what we're good at. Right. And then what we're not good at, we tend to just kind of hope that it just, you know, and that you leave it alone for a while. And then a, a true professional, a professional team comes in and says, whoa, like, dude, you need to get on a better diet plan and exercise plan. Like you need to develop habits. Like yeah. what is happening? So we, I think we're all guilty of this in one way, shape or form or another. This is why hiring professionals for things that matter and, and not everything matters. Okay. But health matters. Your, your investment health and your personal health and your, you know, emotional and physical health that matters. Right. So doing it yeah. on your own or, or just ignoring it, those two things are very dangerous. I think when it comes to this, right. You made me think of an analogy, Alex about hiring a professional that I think will just stamp this and probably everybody can relate in one way or another. So let me give it to you. Like we're, we're in the middle of a, a house project, right? And I tried to find the path that cost less, that seemed easier, right? It just seemed easier. It was going to cost less. 
and absolute i mean not once i've done this like i'm the so you're right we can't be too hard on people with finances because if you if like somebody <laughs> who's in the construction business looked at my decisions that i've made related <laughs> to construction they would say you're the dumbest person I've ever met, right? I mean, or or you've, you've had a lot of learning opportunities, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you, you would be on. But I mean, like everything from just trying to hire the guy to shortcut it and do it cheaper, I mean, it ends up being a disaster. We have literally had to redo everything that we did the wrong way and then hiring a, the cheaper contractor who didn't, and it turns out to be fraudulent, you know, and the guy rips you off. I mean, it's just, it matters when you, when you pay for a true professional to do something for you, you get a different experience. Um, uh, so without going into too much personal baggage, you know, that's, <laughs> I mean, I, the, I guess the, the final sample is like, I built this whole, um, had a guy come in and build this like garage or I'm sorry, a garbage enclosure area that we were building, right? You know, you put your, your garbage cans in there and stuff. Well, when we finally got our real contractor coming, he's like, yeah, it's at the wrong elevation. It's like two feet higher. It's going to be like the, the icon. It's going to be like the showcase of your whole front yard. It's going to be a garbage <laughs> enclosure. I'm like, so I, I gotta, look good, man. <laughs> I got to tear this whole thing down. He's like, you got to tear it down. I'm like, I just built it. I paid a guy to build it. And it took him like four months to build it with one hammer and one chisel, a piece of rock at a time. And he's like, well, we'll build it in about four hours, but it'll be right. <laughs> you got to take it down. I'm so, so sad. I want to talk about, Oh, Let me no. show you something, Alex. I'm going to share a quick screen on alternatives because it relates to what we're talking about. And when you take a look at this uh, screen and you talk about doing a building a portfolio the right way, when you look at the most sophisticated, we'll call them the most intellectual, most sophisticated, thoughtful investors, endowments, and institutions, they often have as much as 30 to 50% of their portfolio in alternatives. And you can see the reason why is these arrows are showing you that a traditional portfolio that has you know sixty percent bonds and forty percent equities or forty percent bonds and sixty percent equities or eighty percent equities, you can look at the volatility and then the returns over to the right of those portfolios versus adding in thirty percent alt. So you take a a volatility of a uh, thirty alt, forty equities, thirty fixed income. And you you significantly improve the return characteristics of a portfolio by adding in alternatives, and you also significantly re reduce the volatility characteristics. It's just really neat to see how that plays out, right? I mean, uh, you get almost two uh, full hundred basis points less volatility, um, and you get you know better returns by by adding those. Um, alternatives into a portfolio. I don't think most people realize this, and it's historically been reserved for the ultra wealthy, the family offices, the endowments, the institutions. But there are ways today that our clients and we can bring to regular mass affluent investors with a million dollars investable assets or more, we can bring them real private and alternative asset classes. Uh, which have the potential to completely change their risk return parameters and make it way better. Let me see if I can kind of just repeat some of this back in different terms for people like sure. me who are, who are a little bit less in the in the market with the jargon or all the stuff, right? Yep. Thank you. I think um, I see that. <laughs> well, no, this is English. What you said is English too, but 
my, my English is probably a little more for the layman, layman who doesn't spend all day every day in this, which I actually personally don't within the firm, even, which is kind of a nice perspective sometimes. Also, sometimes I feel like I'm just trying to keep up with the investment management team and the portfolio managers. I'm like, right. okay, I'm like hold on. FI means fixed income, right? Yes. Okay. I got Correct. that. So, yeah. so the bottom, the bottom um, in, that, in that kind of a uh, box, right? The bottom yeah. one seems to be my favorite one. If I was just to look at the numbers and be like, I want, you know, some volatility, I'm willing to accept 9.53% average annual a year volatility number. Okay. I think I sort of understand what that means in exchange for an average annual return of 9.48% going back 33 years. And then what's in my what's in my my account, right? What's in my portfolio? Thirty percent alternative investments, which in the fine print there it says hedge funds, real estate, and private equity with equal weights. Yep. I think, right? And yep. then uh okay, and then rebalancing once a year, which I know that that we'll talk we can talk about that forever. I know, not right now, but <laughs> um, and then fifty percent stocks and twenty percent bonds. That's kind of what I think the simple version of what we're looking at at that chart is, right? It is. And I think, Alex, the comparison is the one uh, right here. If you see the cursor, that's 80% equities, 20% fixed income, because again, you have the same amount of fixed income and the portfolio has measurably more volatility and actually a lower rate of return. Um, And this is the way most people are investing, equities and fixed income, equities and fixed income. They don't think about all. So if I can get, you know, statistically, they're like 30% less volatility, but have even a better return. I don't know of anybody who wouldn't take that exchange, right? It's, it's no, really- and then, and this is, I think I have an idea. A light bulb just went off for me because I know we started Love this it. show. It's been a while and it's summer. Yesterday was the summer solstice, longest day of the year, right? Which is awesome. We could call this show the, you know, the summer series introduction. So like we just basically gave you like three or four or five different things that we've been working on with clients daily, weekly, not weekly, daily with with clients, hundreds of clients, thousands of them. Um, Over the next few weeks, we could bring to you each one of these subject matters in the individual show. Um, But if any of them resonated at all with you, don't wait, you know, reach out to us and our whole team is is here and ready and able to help you um, kind of dive into your personal situation. Right, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's what we should do is I, I think even just sharing that that slide that we shared and talking about it raises awareness and gets people to go think, hmm, wait, do I have alternatives? And do I know my investment philosophy and my strategy? What am I trying to accomplish and how am I actually doing that? What are the tools and the processes that that get me to where I want to go? Um in the book we just read, Atomic Habits. One of the things that I picked up that I really think is going to sink in and help me do better at things is not being so much focused on the end goal. Like I want to retire at blank or I want this amount of money or this amount of income, but instead be more focused on the processes and the strategy designed and the design of the strategy that will ultimately lead to where you want to go, right? And point that ship in the right direction. And But you do that with processes and strategies. So I think we've talked about a lot, just like you said, Alex, wet the whistle and um, get people thinking we're going to continue to do these shows and we can break down each topic in a little more detail. But um, you got to you got to include alternatives into an investment portfolio. I think uh, everybody should be thinking about that and doing it. And now's a great time. I mean, according to all the major institutions last week, we just came out of the longest bear market ever of 75 years. Now, however they define that depends on how you define bear market. But according to most definitions, 
So is it now a time to just say, okay, we're good. Things are stabilized. The Fed's going to leave us alone for a while. The markets are going to be okay. No, now's a really good time to make sure you have things where they're supposed to be so that if and when, as the markets rebound and move around again, on hopefully towards the up, that you're positioned to make sure that you're back on track or that you're tracking better because last year was not fun for most people, right? Yeah, I don't think we came out of the longest bear market by any means. It wasn't long in duration, but we did come out of the bear market, right? Because okay. we've, we've been in really long bull markets and bear markets. And and typically, a, a bear market lasts like 18 months or so. So, um, But they're saying that we've moved out of it because the market has rebounded that 20%. So we've got that going on. But you know, what does that mean? It really doesn't mean anything. I mean, you got to have a plan. You've got to have it written down. You got to know why you're investing in the things you're investing in. You should be building a portfolio that's optimized for the greatest return, given the amount of volatility you're willing to accept. And those are the things that we we can help you do. So uh, Alex, if people want to get a hold of us, they should pretty much just go to financialdetox.com or you can uh, give us a call at our I don't even remember our number, Alex. Email's better. It? Email's better. Email's Jason, better. Jason at financialdetox.com. There you go. Jason at financialdetox. <laughs> Jason yeah. at financialdetox.com. You can give us a ring, but uh, we're going to keep the shows a crack and lacking and coming at you. So we, we appreciate you um, tuning in, checking us out. And if you have any comments or feedback you want to uh, give us, we'd love to hear it. Jason at financialdetox.com. Um, and yeah, I think we've, we've, we've put enough out there for you today and we're just excited to get back on and get some video content going with the podcast so, uh, we can get close and personal. And as always, it's financial detox. We thanks for you tuning in. Check you on the next show. Bye-bye.